the official radio network of UMass Women's Basketball. Pop and Pioneer Valley. Welcome into our WMUA studios. Sam Kinchis, Josh Shriver, Jacob Munch, and Chris Vogel here with the WMUA Women's Basketball Show. Brought to you always by the quarters. The quarters located just off the bike, just off the bike trail between in Hadley, the quarters offers unlimited karaoke arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cock- cocktails. Weekly events at the quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The quarters also offers private events. The quarters is online at HadleyQuarters.com and on Instagram and on Facebook. Gentlemen, we what an incredible weekend for UMass women's basketball. How are we feeling? That's a good week. I mean, won all three games by an average margin of almost 18 points. It's a pretty good start to as you start to ramp up towards conference play starting in about a month. Yeah, I think it was very exciting for UMass. They, it was a bit of a historic week. I mean, you get a thousandth point earlier in the week and then go down to Florida and do some crazy things, win a championship, and that's not the best thing that happened all weekend considering the way that Drake game ended on Friday. It was a lot of fun this week for UMass. Yeah, I mean, what a great week it was, especially for Sydney Taylor, who had, I mean, she'll probably get A-10 Player of the Week, or at least she should. She's establishing herself as maybe the best player in the Atlantic 10. And after scoring her 1,000th point and going off for 25, she then had 20-plus points in each of the games in Miami. So she has just been having an outstanding season so far, and recently she's been unstoppable. Yeah, let's. I want to talk a little bit more with Sid Taylor. Beginning of the season, she did not come out of the gate scorching hot as we're opposed to. She wasn't shooting the ball, especially from three-point range, something we're so accustomed to seeing. What do you guys think has sort of... How has she become more comfortable shooting the ball, and what has helped her ascension into the the hot shooter we've seen her been throughout her years at UMass. You just keep shooting. Like Eventually, shooters always find their touch. And for Sid, it was a matter of her all-around game enabled her to not have to worry or stress about her shooting because she was playing so well in all other facets of the game. And so then it just enabled her to relax a little bit. She was still playing good basketball. Once you hit one, once you hit two, you just kind of cruise. And that's exactly what happened in the Harvard game a couple weeks ago. She went on a run, and then that run has continued three games later where she's had at least 20 points in four straight games. Shooting is so much about confidence, and right now Sydney Taylor is probably the most confident she's been throughout her Minute Women career. To add on to that, I actually think her struggles early shooting might benefit her in the long run. Mm. We saw her develop into much more of a complete player early in the season, and now that she's shooting like she can... She's one of the most dangerous threats in the Atlantic 10. Yeah, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, really the three starting, I guess, guards you can call them. Sydney Taylor is kind of almost a guard forward now, the way that she's been rebounding the ball. But Bernaya Mayo, Destiny Filoxi, and Sydney Taylor are all so incredible defensively that it makes it almost impossible for guards to beat UMass. It's, whenever UMass struggles... Defensively, it's because the other team is just hitting hitting shots like we saw with Megan Meyer and Sariana Rodriguez this weekend, or they're just getting the ball down low and you know beating some of the forwards that UMass has. Whether it was uh, Maggie Bear of uh, 
of Drake or even Grace Berg. They had some success down low, but again, they're a great team. Um, and UMass just had an outstanding game, especially Destiny Filoxi and Bernaya Mayo in crunch time against Drake. You don't just earn the you don't just get the nickname Swish. You earn that nickname, and she has earned it this weekend. Let's talk a little bit more about the tournament down in Florida. Some incredible games on all fads. I want to talk a little bit about the Drake game. This game looked out of reach for the men and women down, coming down the stretch. They went on an incredible run to tie the game, send it to overtime, and beating a Drake Bulldogs team that has beaten some ranked opponents this season. And we're hoping maybe, hey guys, maybe this gets them on the national recognition, maybe some top 25 votes. Josh, overall, what were your reflections on the Drake game overall, specifically the fourth quarter, what stood out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, that was, I have to honestly say that was one of the best games of basketball I have ever watched in my life at any level. The, the It's not that the atmosphere was crazy. It was just, I mean, first of all, it is really unfortunate that the game was not televised. <laughs> there was, if, if there's any UMass game that I would want UMass fans to be able to watch, in the past three years, probably, it would be that Drake game. Yep. The amount of success they had, and Coach Verdi talked about it post-game, it honestly just felt like it was like everything was going right for them, and every time you looked up, it was just like, this can't be real. How does it just keep going, getting better and better, especially when Bernaya Mayo had those back-to-back steals. I think it was to make it from a 7-point lead to an 11-point lead. That was just, it felt like every second of the game was just, oh, my goodness, and then this happens, now this <laughs> happens. Oh, and it gets better. It was just unbelievable to watch. And the the energy, at least, Jacob, that we felt yeah. from that game and that the team felt was just something that, as you mentioned, they finally got over the hump. They're finally able to actually finish one of those games and close it out. Well, and we've seen them come very close. You think about the Iowa State game last year. They pulled within three after trailing for almost the entire game. The Notre Dame game, they pulled it within six after trailing for so long. And there have been countless instances throughout the last few years of this Minute Women program where they make it really, really close. Even the Tennessee game, make it very close, but don't have enough to get over the hump. UMass finally did it. They finally got over the hump. And once they did, ball game over. We were on the show a couple weeks ago talking about how impressive shutting out Maine was in a quarter 24 to nothing. UMass won overtime 17 to nothing and there's only 5 minutes in an overtime and they finished the game on a 22 run against a Drake team that's averaging 83 points a game. Like are you serious? It was just absolutely insane. Yeah. yeah. Sorry sorry Chris, if I could just say something real quick. I do want to add that overtime that they had, it was the 17 points in five minutes was one thing, but the <laughs> fact that they did it after, for example, Sam Breen and Sidney Taylor had just played almost 40 minutes already, it seemed like Drake had tapped out and had given up and were like, they were so, they were dead tired. UMass looked like they hadn't played a game in a week all of a sudden. That, I was looking at that. That 17-0 margin, could not find it online, but I'm honestly wondering if that's the largest margin of victory in overtime of any game in NCAA history. Yeah, 17 well, and five, point, 5 minutes, especially when at the end you're just trying to run out the clock mostly. But I think the player that stood out for me in that game, Mayo had a complete game. 
five steals, six assists, and then the 19 points. If you can get that from her every night, that's going to be key moving forward because you can add that on to what you get from Breen, Taylor, and Philoxy. And UMass got 100 points in that game. It's the first time since 1980 that they have scored 100 points against a Division One opponent. It's been 42 years. And then they go out and get 100 against Drake. Then two days later, they drop 95 against FIU and almost get it again. Like The offense was unreal down in Miami. Yeah, and when we talk about specifically the drinking, we talk about close games. You talk about a closer, a player that sometimes can just put the game away, give it the ball to them, and they just put it away. Both Bernaya Mayo and Destiny Veloxi in overtime were those closers. They both hit. They had the majority of the points in overtime. Steals, layups, jump shots. They were all over Charges. the place. Charges, <laughs> especially. De- I think Destiny had like four in the game. And she it was, drew twelve fouls in that game. Is what we found. It's out. ridiculous. <laughs> that is a ridiculous number. And it just des- she had her best. Veloxi had her best scoring game of the season, and you just see players that are getting the job done in the best moments. This is fun to watch, and just this is reassuring for us. Like coming back home, and it just if only they scored hundred points on the monster, we would have known there would have been a promotion of some sort. But you know, <laughs> we all can't have nice things. Let's talk. Um, the Drake game was one for the ages, that's for sure. Talk a little about the FIU game. A lot more. Let's just say a lot less stressful. They went up, they went up 27-9 in the first quarter and never looked back. What do you Jacob, how do you come off a game where you just exhaust all of your energy and are able to just keep your foot on the gas and not put your not keep it down? UMass was able to do that successfully because They've done it for two, three years in a row. They know how to do this. The A-10 tournaments, thats you play a game every day until you lose or win the whole thing. They're used to doing that. They're used to playing grueling games. Last year in the Gulf Coast Showcase, three games in three straight days. They're used to that. The WNIT a few years back, same thing. And it's been the same five, six players for Massachusetts throughout all those runs. And so... This is nothing new to them. They got a day off in between. That's great for them. And I think they were able to enjoy the setting, enjoy being in Miami, and it became a little less... They got to enjoy being down there, which is big for team cohesion. And then they just went out and played great basketball. They started that game leading 23-2 to in a championship game. Like, UMass just... They had no letdown because they only really know one way to play, and that's just go and keep going and ride your starters and just keep going. I will say I have two concerns come out of that game in the tournament as a whole. The second quarter was a little bit of a struggle. FIU yeah. got back into it, made it a four-point game at the break. Not really what you want to see when you're trying to bury a team in that championship game. And then still, it's really just the starters that are the contributors. If I'm looking at this right, only five points total in the tournament and zero in the first round game coming from the bench. The all, there was only five starters when they put up 100 and only six in the final. And I think that's in part due to the absence of McKenna White, which is very, very unfortunate. Yes, mm-hmm. she was dearly missed, Sam, this weekend. And we'll see. I believe Verdi said she's getting imaging early this week and they'll learn more about how bad her injury is, how long she'll be out, etc. Right now there's no timeline. But UMass has never been a team that goes deep in their bench. Alexia Brooks started to shoot the basketball yesterday, which was a better sign yeah. in hopes that she can start scoring. But right now the bench onus falls on Leila Fair because this team doesn't go to their bench. They need another big to spell Galakulundi in particular. And I think Leila Fair is really starting to settle in. She's so much more 
to grow, but I think now that she got her first couple buckets yesterday, I think she's going to feel a lot more comfortable and be contributing a lot more as the season continues on. You cannot deny the talent that Layla Fair has. True. She can be a real contributor to this team. And I say, they don't get, go into their bench much, but if she hits her stride, she figures this out, we know this team is deep. That depth can show and could be something that, unbeknownst to this program in so many ways. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jacob Munch will attempt to get back on the board with Stump the Senior, and we will also preview Wednesday's home game as a minute when we return home to face the Yale Bulldogs. This brought... The UMass Women's Basketball Show is brought to you as always by The Quarters, located just off Route 9 on the bike trail in Hadley. The Quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cocktails. Weekly events at The Quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The Quarters also offers private events. The Quarters is online, HadleyQuarters.com, on Instagram and Facebook. You've been listening to the UMass Women's Battle Show on 91.1 WMUA. Destiny Philosophy, and you're listening to UMass Women's Basketball on 91.1 WMUA. Interested in joining WMUA, the student-run college radio station at UMass Amherst? Whether you're interested in pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, you have a passion for music, or you're just looking for a space on campus to call your own, WMUA is the place for you. From music and news to sports and public affairs programming, students of all majors and interests are encouraged to contact us today. To find out how to get involved, email us at WMUAProduction at UMass.edu. And tell us what you're all about. Before you know it, it'll be your voice broadcasting here on 91.1 WMUA, the radio voice of UMass Amherst. Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call 1-866-FROM-YOU. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. Hi, this is Bernard Mayo, and you're listening to UMass Women's Basketball on 91.1 WMUA. We are back with the UMass Women's Basketball Show here in the WMUA studios. Recapping the Minute Women's incredible weekend out in Miami. Previewing the next game. This UMass Women's Basketball Show is brought to you as always by The Quarters, located just off Route 9, the bike trail in Hadley. The Quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beers, and cocktails. Weekly events at The Quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet, and cartoons. The Quarters also offers private events. The Quarters is online at HadleyQuarters.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Before we preview UMass's upcoming matchup against Yale, it is time to stump the senior. Bum, bada, bum. Jacob Munch, are you ready for today's question? Let's do it. All gotta right. build off, gotta create a winning streak here. Jacob got one last time. Steve, keep the streak going. The last time UMass Women's Basketball has won an in season tournament trophy was 2008 in the Brown Bear Classic when they won against Brown. Which two players made the all tournament team that hmm. year for that tournament? <laughs> oh, boy. 2008. Yeah, that's toughy. I think I can 
no chance I can get to. My only guess, I don't know my mid-2000 Minute Women rosters too well, <laughs> uh, and she might have graduated beforehand, but Maggie Mulligan? Incorrect. Dang. Get another guess. Come on. Oh, gosh. I really... I feel bad. I feel bad asking you this question. This feels mean. <laughs> Good thing it stumped the senior, not stumped the sophomore, because I would have zero guesses. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, this is this is brutal. I'm gonna throw in the white towel here. Stephanie Garadot and Siri Mosgrove. So I've got a question for you, Sam. Yes. Had you ever heard of those people before you researched that? I plead the fifth on that one. Aha! <laughs> Neither had I, so I don't feel bad about getting that no, one. No, that was a rough question. That was a tough one. I feel bad. I thought you were just going to ask me like who they played in that tournament or something. I'm like, <laughs> couldn't it be Ack and Brown? But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I feel bad. I'll the final would have been too easy with it being Brown. And well, that's true, yeah, too, yeah. yes. Preview. That was Stump the Senior, Jacob. That was an unfair question. I apologize <laughs> for that. All right. Moving on. The men and women return home this Wednesday at 7 p.m. to face the Yale Bulldogs, their second Ivy League opponent in, in a matter of weeks. Josh Schreiber will be on the call for that game. Yale coming off. They've had a weird season. They just had a fatta. They lost to two 8-10 opponents, Fordham and St. Joseph's, respectively. Then they had a, a four-game winning streak. And then they lost to Houston Christian, a team that I've never they've never showed up on many people's writers. They are not ranked. A very weird loss. So this is a very hard Yale team to gauge. And they come into sort of stumbling into the Mullen Center this week. Jacob, what could we expect out of this Yale team? I think like most of the Ivy teams, it will be a team that makes life difficult because the Ivy League is a very difficult conference. You've got Princeton, a team that was like bouncing around in the top 25. Columbia, who we'll see later this year, they are also really good. Plus, Harvard gave UMass fits. But in general, this Yale team tries to win games in defensive battles. They don't score a lot. They're averaging just 64 points per game. Their defense allows 63 points per game. So they are just in tight, low-scoring games. They don't shoot the three very well, just 27% from behind the arc. And so I think a key for UMass is still try to first establish your dominance in the paint, and if that's not working, or more specifically, when it is working, then kick the ball out to Taylor for threes, and you can really open the floor that way. But I think the key for UMass versus any opponent, get the ball down low, have your post start working it, and then go from there. This Yale team is also having a brand new coach, Delilah Esch, her first season at the helm for the Bulldogs. She comes from Princeton where she was a th- three seasons as an assistant coach and led the Tigers to an Ivy League title and the tournament and a win over 15 Kentucky in last year's NCAA tournament. So we see there's a lot of holdovers from that team. This Yale team is not to be reckoned with. Josh, who's a player to look out for on Yale that could give UMass fits like Jacob says? I think that one thing that we've seen from UMass this season is that their main deficiency on the defensive side is that they often don't locate shooters in transition as well as they should or just locate shooters in general. Yale has really struggled to shoot the three this season, shooting just 27% from beyond the arc. But I think one player to really focus on is is Kylie Capstraw, Cap, excuse me, Kylie Capstraw, who is shooting 47 almost 48% from the three-point line. And outside of her, they've really struggled to shoot the three, which is definitely not a recipe for success against a minute women team that nine times out of ten, they're going... They should crush Yale on the boards, especially the way that 
and Galakulondi played and the way Layla Fair is playing, I highly doubt we see McKenna White in that game, but you never know. There's a chance. Um, if UMass can dominate on the boards, it, first of all, I will say this. Yale has to double-team Sam Breen. I'm sorry yes. to go on, <laughs> go on a little bit of a tangent there, but for whatever reason, FIU thought it was a good idea to single-team her, and it was just... Sam probably could have had 40 points in that game if they chose to go to her more often. But anyways, back to Yale. If they want to have a chance to beat the Minute Women, they're going to have to shoot the three. It's still very early in the season. 27% shooting from beyond the three-point line is not something to really be concerned about seven games into the year. They have plenty of time. This needs to be their breakout game, shooting the three. I think another player to watch in that one, the only senior on the roster for Yale, Camila Emspo, their senior captain, She's averaged, she averaged a double-double last year. She's averaged over 10 points a game every single season she played, including as a true freshman in 2018. And then on top of that, blocks. Average almost two and a half blocks a game across her career. She could be a... She's the one player that down low concerns me in this matchup. I think she could be a potential issue for a UMass team that tends to struggle rebounding against lesser competition. If they don't bring that intensity to that game... She could have a monster game and keep you in it. And she's also a bit of an X factor based on the fact that she hasn't taken the floor yet. It's, it appears that she has been dealing with some injuries likely. And so will she return? If she does, she could give UMass huge fits because it's six foot five. That is not something UMass sees every day. And so I think the Minute Women would really have to adjust their plan if the Bulldogs can throw that wrench into the works. And I just realized UMass will be playing the Bulldogs for the second time in five days or so <laughs> after they beat the Drake Bulldogs on Friday. Yeah, Bulldogs tend to tend to try to bite you in the butt more often than not. <laughs> but this being said, I feel that with the minute the minute coming in this game, they haven't played at home in over two weeks. So I feel like this will be a big game for them just to reestablish their dominance on, at the Mullen Center and just reestablish himself in a familiar environment against a team that, frankly, we expect them to beat by, by a large margin and, expect, and, frankly, just a more comfortable win with, a less, with less stress. They can't overlook them, though. 100%. It could be so easy for UMass to just start looking ahead towards Arizona State on Friday and Mizzou on Saturday and the trip to Arizona, and then you're like, wait, what just happened to this Yale game? Oh, no. And so Minute Women, stay focused one at a time. Yeah, I feel like also you look at this Yale team, they're a very young team also. We mentioned they do have some experience, some holdovers from the roster from last year, but their best players are freshmen, sophomore. When you look at the Minute Women, the majority of their best players are experienced seniors. So I feel like the Minute Women need to just jump out early. Young teams cannot necessarily aren't as resilient and ment and mentally can flip that switch to stay in the game and convince itself they can get at their heads more often than not so i feel like if they get out to a huge lead i feel like it's going to be smooth sailing for the rest of the that game that experience that thing you note of that's going to be important with umass playing a couple ivy league teams coming up the ivy league bars grad students from playing so especially with covid eligibility still impacting players the ivy leagues cannot use those fifth year players for example sam breen would not be eligible to play for a yale so that's going to be the advantage that you might as well have against Yale and then Columbia coming up. All right, boys, time for some squad predictions. Josh, we'll start with you. All right, so for the Yale game, I think really it's one or one of two things. It's either going to be you know, a 20-plus a, a point victory where the, 
everything just goes right for them. They get out in transition and basically just tire out Yale where to the point where they can't really do anything offensively. And in that case, it would be, let's say, 82 to 57, I'd say. I think that there is a little bit of a letdown. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but there is a good there's a definitely a legitimate chance that it's a little bit of a letdown and let's say they get out to a slow start and then start building back up. I think that they will end up winning this game 78 to 61. But it is going to be a closer game than the score looks. Jacob, do you? Minute women defeat the Bulldogs by a score of 73 to 63. That's a lot closer of a score than Josh. Why such the close score? You must be a little tired, and minute women kind of have a habit at home of making games closer than they should be. Chris. I'm going to go the opposite direction. UMass 81, Yale 42. Whoa. I think it's going to be a blowout. I don't, I don't think Yale can match <laughs> up well. By almost 40 points? Yeah, I don't think Yale can match up well. And you said, which is true, UMass has struggled to take care of business at home and win by what they should. I think they kind of want to put that narrative to rest a little bit. I think they'll come out focused. And also, I think the blowout can happen because Verdi tends not to go to that bench. Mm that Breen might still be in there in the fourth, even if they're up 30, so they might just be able to run up the um, score the whole I'm day. sure she will still be in there. <laughs> I mean, for I was better or for worse, she will probably be in there. I mean, I was going to say a blowout, but like 40 points, wow, that's harsh. Um, I also think UMass is going to handily win this game. I think they're going to – they won't play down to their opponent. They're going to reestablish themselves at home. I'm going to say they win this game about 70, 73 to 59. Very, very high-scoring game. A reminder that you can listen to this show and all UMass women's basketball shows and all WMUA sports content on our podcast, on our Spotify account, WMUA Sports Podcast. Make sure to go check it out. Thank you. Take it out. Any final, any final parting words post-Thanksgiving? Make sure you tune in this weekend as well when UMass is down at Arizona State, Mizzou, and the Arizona State Sun Devils. Those should be two really good games. Combined 18-3 record between UMass, Arizona State, and Missouri so far. Every team with only one loss. It's going to be a great weekend, to, great weekend to start, a great weekend to finish. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the UMass Women's Basketball Show. I'm Zach Jesus signing off for Jacob Munch, Josh Schreiber, and Chris Vogel. We'll see you next time on the UMass Women's Basketball Show. A reminder, this Wednesday, UMass Women's Bass will be back against the Yale Bulldogs. Josh Schreiber will have the call for you from the Mullen Center. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great day.